go back to basketball. You know, I, I do love hair compliments. Let's go! And welcome to the 13th edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin, live here from Portland, and I got my man Sage in snowy, snowy Southern Oregon. I shoveled my car out, and the snow was to my knees, bro. I I was not used to that manual labor, and I was not used to how cold it is and how sucky it is to have to shovel your car out after a major snowstorm. You know, I usually mess with snow, but I'm kind of pissed off at it right now because you were supposed to come up this weekend and uh, tell our listeners what happened. Uh, the biggest snowstorm I've ever seen? Oh, I mean, you're, oh, you're talking about the game, the game. Uh, yeah, a little the, bit. The game, oh, my prediction was wrong. Yeah, the Blazers you didn't well. get live. We were supposed to podcast live after the game. For me, I, I usually watch these games with people. I usually do. So this time, since the snow, I couldn't go to people. I couldn't watch the game with my mom. I couldn't watch the game with random friends. So it was me by myself. And I was emotional the entire game. But it was... I was emotional, like, irrational fan when it came to the Pelicans. But with the Blazers, I was like, he should have passed it there. I was upset about the lack of ball movement, the lack of making shots. It was a strange thing for me to be an irrational fan for half the time and then strategic and calm for the other, but still yelling and still disgusted about some of the plays I saw. Is it getting harder to watch these two teams face off against one another? Oh, I'd prefer it not to happen, honestly. Yeah, I mean, we got another one coming up uh, on this road trip for the Blazers, too, so... The 23rd, I believe. Yeah, is this the last matchup? Do we play three or four. four times this year? I probably shouldn't show, like, do the finger sign, but it's four times. It, it got hard. I honestly would prefer these teams never play because it's way too emotionally draining on me, man. It, it's tough. Yeah, I mean, so fortunately, you were supposed to come up here, but I did get to go with my pops, and the Blazers are two and zero when we watch games together. Coincidentally enough, both against your Pelicans. So, so you're undefeated um, when it comes when you're playing against the worst defensive team in the NBA. I think it had more to do with my pops in the building than the lack your of team's defense. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, it's just that good luck charm. <laughs> but I think it was the lazy passes that led to transition buckets and the fouls. Uh, I think that helped a little. But you being with their father is a very nice part of the game. We got tacos. We were sitting in the last row. If you, if you heard that, that was Bassey. He, he thinks he's supposed to get some some fancy feast. You know, the Blazers did win that game 105-101, so he is not incorrect. Wait, but you didn't give it to him the day it happened? You made him wait the 24 no, hours? No, he always has to wait a day because okay. you never know who's going to win. Okay, all right. And he enjoys food so much that if you try to give him a half cup or half his portion of food to save for the, the treats later, it doesn't really called him over. He, he he gets hangry. You know hey, those commercials where it shows people just getting angry and hungry? That's Bassy. Um, uh, very vocal, very demanding, um, really has a hunger for life, like like his father. So, you know, <laughs> the apple does not fall far from the tree. But that game, 
I thought was a pretty big win for the Trailblazers in terms of momentum. Obviously, they're heading out on the longest road trip of the season after this quick two-game homestand and coming off a loss, an unexpected loss against the Knicks to come back home and to to handle the Pelicans. I thought the game was really never in doubt. New Orleans did make a couple runs. Norris Cole hit those back-to-back threes. Evans started to get loose, but you just never felt like they had enough. There was time ran out on them. I think if there was another quarter, New Orleans probably would have found a way to win that game because they they found something at the end, and I think that's going to help them in the game later on this month where they put Evans to the weak side and just let him go ISO, and he was getting to the lane really at ease. And if the Blazers brought a defender over to, to help out, he was just dumping it off. So the Pelicans were really living in the paint. So that's something that the Blazers are going to have to work on I've never seen the Pelicans get such efficient and good shots. I think that Tyreek Evans doesn't respect Mason as a shot blocker. When Tyreek Evans doesn't respect you as a shot blocker, he will go and attack basket relentlessly. The bigs have to show him no easy baskets here. Yeah, I completely agree. But uh, who was it that called Tyreek Evans the, the X Factor for, for that game? I, I believe it was your boy. Oh, yeah, and I, I, I'm kind of sick of Tyreek. I mean, after one of the losses, he said in a, in a press conference, this system doesn't work for me. I'm not going to do this system. So it made well, me want to just trade him. I want him. I, I understand that, but you've also got to feel that there's probably a lot of animosity and frustration just pent up in that Pelicans locker room. I mean, they're 6-18, and 18, a team that many thought could possibly be a fifth or a sixth seed at, you know, as a best-case scenario. Yeah. At worst-case, eighth seed. Like, nobody envisioned this team, you know, throw injuries out the door. They still had Anthony Davis, who a lot thought could challenge for the MVP, was a top-three player in the NBA. At minimum, they should be 500 right now with all those injuries. They're not. They're second worst in the West. I mean, Alvin Gentry is proving to not be a fantastic hire. Monty Williams doesn't seem like he was the problem. To be perfectly honest, I think it's the way that team is constructed. And a great coach can do wonders. But the rest of the coaches in the NBA, you have to give them something to work with. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know Anthony Davis is a freak. But you got to give him some help. And just watching that game, it was just it, it was weird to see Omer Ashik on the floor and just not having an impact at all. You know, you gave up a first round pick for him. You re-signed him to a pretty lofty contract. Um, I think you're going to get pennies to the dollar on him. And you know what? I've been reading a lot about sunken cost. Yep. Oh yeah, I, I learned all about sunken cost in uh, college. Well, I'm learning about it in the NBA. I think we need to. We put this money into him. We gotta just take pennies on the dollar to get rid of him, and that's Omer Oshik. I think it should be a fire sale for the Pelicans because no one is selling right now. A lot of people want to buy, but no one's selling. Well, the Pelicans could be a seller, and I'm gonna do a hot take right now. But I don't think Anthony Davis is a top three, top five player. I think he's been like a top ten, fifteen. 15. Yep. Yep. I completely agree. He doesn't. What's funny, and I think a lot of it has to do with his teammates as well, he got to the basket with ease against Plumlee early on. He was just too quick, and he was just really, that jump hook over the shoulder, he was going to be two feet away from the basket. He looked like he was about to put on a 40-point night, like just with ease. I mean, he ended up with 28 points, but you would have liked, I would really like him to shoot more than 19 times. Um, 
the Pelicans, they just have a lot a lot of chuckers, and I know you love him, but your boy Ryan Anderson is one of them. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Blazers actually, I was about to tweet, here we go again. We kept switching the pick and roll, and it felt like that Mavericks game where we left McCollum and Lillard on Dirk, except it was Ryan Anderson. However, I felt like their defense against the big was impressive. Anderson was getting very tough looks off of his patented one-leg fadeaway. And outside of just a couple of open shots, he was ice cold. And I thought that had a lot to do with the defense. I actually applaud Terry Stotts for the strategy. Normally, I hate switching on the pick and roll like that. But you you kind of have to do a weighted scale. In one hand, would you rather have Anthony Davis going one-on-one, or would you rather have Ryan Anderson posted up on the block, you know, shooting fadeaways? You're going to go with the latter all day. You know, big round of applause to Stotts. I'm very interested to see how that works in December's game, or later December's game, because this will be the third time the teams have matched up. It's almost like a mini playoff series, having played so many games within such close proximity. I think the NBA is trying to make this a rivalry. Well, they did put it on opening night. They put it on opening night. 2012 draft, AD was the first, Dame was the sixth, Yep, and Dame was the rookie of the year. He deserved it. I think the NBA is trying to make the Warriors-Pelicans a rivalry and the Blazers-Pelicans a rivalry. I don't feel it. No. I don't feel it all. There's just not enough history for with New Orleans. It's such a young franchise, and honestly, rivalries are bred through the playoffs. As a kid growing up, I hate the Jazz. I hate the Suns. I hate the Lakers. Why the Blazers played those teams over and over again during the 90 through 92 stretch. You know, I could care less about San Antonio either, but we only played them once in that stretch. You know, but we played those three other teams at least two to three times. And so growing up, you just have those memories. You don't remember a lot of regular season games. You remember those playoff battles. You remember Buck Williams. You remember Terry Porter and Kevin Johnson and then Clyde and Magic. I mean, you just remember those battles with those teams, and that's what rivalries are from. And I think, really, unfortunately, rivalries are a dying breed in today's NBA. I would love to see the Warriors and Clippers turn into one. However, they need to match up in the playoffs. They did two years ago. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Last year, the Clippers choke. Once a team starts playing each other, it seems like in consecutive seasons in the playoffs, like the Blazers, I felt like they played the Lakers every single playoffs in the first round in the late 90s and early 2000s. We haven't seen them since. Blazer fans still consider that a rivalry. It started in 77 when you know Walton dunked over Jabbar. We swept them. We experienced heartache in 91, got revenge in 92, and it's just been, that's been Portland's rivalry. So if the NBA is trying to do something, it's going to have to just, like all great things, it's going to have to happen organically. Yep. Well, I want your thoughts on... On Anthony Davis, because you said something, because you're the biggest Anthony Davis fan I know, and I don't think it was too far off to call him a top five player in last year. Last year, well, he but, put up numbers that are a top ten player ever. If you look at PER, if you look at usage rate, all that stuff, that quite possibly could be his best statistical year, not best year. But what's, statistical. But what's going on is my question. Does he not have the mental? I capacity think, at a young age to go through this adversity? Does he not have a veteran leader to take him through this? To, like Obviously, he's got all the physical tools, but what is he missing? I still think it's effort. I have, I've seen Anthony Davis play Anthony Davis-style quality basketball three or four times this year. I think that it's effort that he puts out on defense and offense. If he put the effort out, he would he'd play well. 
But I mean, he's getting like twenty-seven points in second in blocks. But he, the effort's not there all the time. When I watch Damian Lillard, the effort's there all the time, and he's a star player. It's not there all the time with Anthony Davis. So that's why I said top fifteen. He's not going to be the best player on the court every time he steps on the court this year. And, and I completely agree, but I think if people are, you know, if there are people jumping off the Anthony Davis bandwagon, to put things into perspective, I think he was just able to legally drink last year. Yeah, he's he a would senior. Be a he'd, college, he'd be a first He'd be rookie. a senior in college right now. Yep. So he definitely has some maturing to do. I mean, Jordan definitely had maturing to do when he came into the league, and he came out as a junior. I mean, you look at all of these guys that just come out so young, not everyone is LeBron. Like, LeBron's really a freak in terms of off the court and on the court. Like, he knows how to handle himself. But, you know, I think Anthony Davis would benefit from a veteran in that locker room. I just don't see it looking up and down. I mean, you have a lot of journeymen, but there's no Kevin Garnett's. There's no Andre Miller's. Exactly. There's nobody there that can be his rock and that he can lean on. And I thought Damian Lillard really benefited from having a guy like Ronnie Price there his rookie year, and he had Earl Watson the following year. Steve Watson's Blake. now a coach. Yeah, Steve Blake. I mean, Watson's now a coach, I believe. And Ronnie Price, you know, he's still in the league, but he's someone Lillard knew before he came into the league, so they had that connection. It, it's just a comfort level, and I think Anthony needs more, more of that comfort. But, you know, I really thought the Pelicans also gave us something else. Their broadcaster, I believe it was Joel Myers. Let me just say, Joel Myers is my favorite broadcaster that's not named Hubie Brown. And he was dropping some knowledge. Yeah. He was dropping some knowledge that uh, is a rumor. There's no hard evidence, but he said that Myers Leonard reportedly turned down four years, $60 million extension. It took me a long time to process that. What was your initial reaction? when you heard that number? Did you think it was real? Or what? just what was going on in your mind? You say Mike Rice knows this stuff. I think Joe Myers prepares as hard or a little harder because he does football announcing, he does basketball announcing at a very high level. I enjoy broadcasts that involve Joe Myers. If he claims that he that's what's going around at the clubhouse, I believe him because... He said things that have been true in the past. I have, like, I, I've experienced stuff that he said that is true. Like, he said Drew Holiday was going to come back last year before anyone else said that stuff. So, if he said it, I trust him a little more than a Blazers fan would. So, when I heard that, damn, that's a lot of money. I would have taken that and been very happy. You know, I have, I have two trains of thought that I'm going through. One is, yes, Myers, you should have taken that if that was offered. That is a ridiculous amount of money, uh, $15 million. And two, before the season, I was all for it. But now I'm kind of like, you know, what do you do in Olshay? You tried to go after Spencer Haas. That was would have been a huge bust. Now you're going after Myers really hard. Like, is he overvaluing these stretch fours who really don't aren't the best defenders? Um, when Ryan Anderson or, is blowing by you. You're not the most laterally quick guy in the world. It, it, exactly, and it just, you know, I understand the salary cap is booming, so a $15 million contract m- may be the norm, but that would be really hard for me to swallow knowing what he's doing right now. 
I mean, it, if you're Myers Leonard, though, are you trying to get Tristan Thompson money, who got five years, eighty-two million? I mean, that's only sixteen million. I mean, that's only one million extra a year. So I'm, the sh- I, I don't question Joel Myers. Maybe he got some bad information, but I'm fifty-fifty on whether I believe those actual numbers. I would have a hard time seeing Myers turn that down. I know a lot of, I know his agent smart. I know I heard Woj say. Um, once the Blazers and Myers didn't come to an agreement before the Halloween deadline that a lot of GMs were actually relieved because they were really intrigued with him and wanted to make a big offer to Portland. Obviously, he's restricted, so Olshay has the right to match any offer. But that worries me about Myers because is he going to go out and get a max offer from somebody else? And you don't want to lose him for nothing, but you don't want to be hampered with a really large contract. And to be, to be honest right now, Yes, let's let's throw the shooting slump aside. You know, over his last 10 games, he's only shooting 39% from the field, and he's really doing nothing else. Four rebounds in 20 minutes. Those are his last 10 games. He's obviously had the shoulder. His form looks absolutely broken right now. His confidence, you can tell, is just shattered. Those things can be fixed. And the shoulder is going to heal. He's had a textbook jump shot before. It's going to come back. And once one shot falls, the next one, and his confidence will return. However, there's one thing that worries me, and you mentioned it. Ryan Anderson's blowing by him with ease. He is not a four. Myers Leonard, to me, is a center because he cannot guard. He cannot guard Ryan Anderson, and not to knock Anderson, but he's not the most fleet of foot either. And he was hey, just going around him. I know a lot of Blazer fans that want Ryan Anderson, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything bad about him. He's a basketball player, but he's not fleet of foot either. Oh no! And when Ryan Anderson can take you on defense, that's a problem. When he feels the confidence to hedge on a pick, when it's Myers Leonard, there's a problem. And, and I've been writing down in my notes, and I swear every game, it's Myers is slow on defense, he's slow to react, and he does not close out on shooters. It's something that really bugs me. He overcommits on the help, and he doesn't get back in time, and that's something that should be fixed. That has nothing to do with confidence. Defense has nothing to do with your shoulder with your shooting stroke that's all effort so he needs to start playing that a little bit better i really hope the coaches point that out because there's more and more bigs in the nba that can stretch the floor and he's more more times than not matched up against them so he's going to need to start closing out it, it makes it an interesting i think it's going to be a very interesting trade deadline i'm not saying they're going to trade myers but but the fact if because neil olshay knows what they offered olshay knows paul allen knows what Myers is doing right now is not going to scare off any GMs. It's what he does in April. So if he gets hot for 20 games to close out the season, that's all GMs are going to look at. And when they make a big offer, it's going to just be, what have you done for me lately? They'll know. That's such a bad beauty. Oh, it's completely, it's yeah. a terrible and short-sighted and a lazy practice. Thank you. But to be perfectly honest, that's, I mean, that's not. We're prisoners of the moment, right? That's Exactly. We're prisoners of the moment and we're, what have you done for me lately, society? And if he has enough, if, if the Blazers, for whatever, get into the playoffs or have a really strong April and Leonard does what he does for an extended period of time like he did against the Grizzlies, GMs are going to have a ton of money to throw out, and he's going to be on there because he has potential to be 50, 40, 90. He is a 7-1 big who can stretch the floor. So while he has a weaknesses, there's GMs that are going to see all the strengths he brings to the table. But as a Blazer fan, I would not be comfortable giving Myers Leonard max contract. And I think we can say that there's only one all-star on this team now, huh? And when I said that, too, I thought Myers was going to be the all-star. And I still think he's good. I still think he is a good NBA player, a starter quality. I'm not worried about the shooting. It's the defense that didn't get exposed against a guy like Zach 
brand off for Marcus Ole because neither of them is going to take him off the dribble from from 25 feet out. And that's why I think he's a center because he played such good defense against Marcus Ole, who's just going to you know stay in the paint. Yeah, um, more and if he goes out, it's exactly it's plotting, it's foul line extended, and it's more of a threat to pass or shoot. He's not going to really take the guy off the dribble. So I think Myers is like a matchup specialist, which is not so, good if you're giving max money to a specialist or a rotation player. Trust me, I know Del Demps has done it. It's not a good thing. No, it is not. But you know what was a good thing? It was Noah Vonley's defense. Yeah, it was- he continues to impress me on the defensive end, and. I'm going to get into a little bit of a rant right here, but it really ticks me off that he only plays one shift per half when he is outperforming. Don't look at the box score, but just overall, he's outperforming Myers Leonard. He needs to be getting more of Myers minutes. I don't know if we're showcasing Myers or whatnot, but Vonley is the guy that really has a lot of potential, and I think he's earning it on the defensive end. He can he stuck with Ryan. Ryan could not get by him. Um, you know, I thought he, he tries, he hustles, he's got the IQ, he just needs more playing time, and I've been really impressed with his defense. So that's a guy who I want to see more. I always look at the box scores, and it feels like he has a high plus-minus, but he's never in the game late. Like, he gets that one shift, and it's done. And it's not a long shift. Does he get more than 14 minutes a game? I don't it's, look at the box It's between scores. 14 and 16. He comes yeah. out close to that four to five minute mark. Yeah, he's in the, the first, first one out. You might be right about that one too many bigs thing. I think you are. I think right. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to try to toot my own horn, but I've really noticed that. And it's just, there's just too many. I mean, you look, Ed Davis constantly gets double-doubles when he gets those extended times. Noah shows those flashes of brilliance. You know, Myers has had big games this year. I mean, Mason Plumley was just phenomenal. Consistent. Uh, yeah, and he was just a man-child. I believe he had... 15 points, added in 13 boards, 6 dimes, and 2 blocks. That is a stat line. I mean, that's mm-hmm. filling it up. He's never going to be the best defensive player in the game. He, he does, he's not a Steve, but he's, he's never going to be a lockdown defender. He's an average defensive player. But what he brings from an athletic standpoint, a passing standpoint, is really you know unparalleled mm-hmm. from the center position. You just don't see bigs that can drop dimes like that, and... I really thought the Blazers did a great job, DJ McCollum in particular, of working that pick and roll. The Pelicans defenders, they really jumped out at CJ, and he threw that lob like three times to, to Mace. And really, that's what I've been waiting for. When we got Plumley, I envisioned lob after lob after lob to this kid. I saw him at Duke. I saw him at Brooklyn. I believe he was in the dunk contest. This kid has springs. Throw it up there. Let him go get it. And that's something I really want to see continue from this team, you know, not even through 2015, but all the way into 2016. What do you think he will fetch in the open market? We have, do we have his bird rights? Yeah, we have his bird rights, but is, is he, isn't he still on his rookie deal, though? Don't we just uh, get him for another year in his rookie deal? You might be right. What's up real quick? Yeah. I feel like free agency is one big domino effect. You wait for the first signing, and I feel like that just sets the precedence. Remember when Jody Meeks got an absurd amount of money from the Pistons? Yes, sir. So, actually, this was a really shrewd move on Neil Olshay's part. So, Mason Plumley makes $1.4 million this year. It gets uh, bumped up to $2.3 million in 2016-2017. And then in 2017-2018, he has a qualifying offer for $3.3 million. So, Plumley's not really going to get a big payday for another three and a half years. So very, that, very smart. That actually makes me feel a lot better about Plumley. 
family. I was in the same boat as you. I thought we owed him a lot of money next year, but he's still on that rookie deal, which makes draft picks and hitting draft picks so important, especially mm-hmm. in today's CBA. If you can get those guys producing at such a lower rate, it allows you to spend your money elsewhere. So that's looking like a great deal. But again, we need him to, to get more playing time. And that's where I think it comes back to, we just have too many bigs, man. I think we have one too many. Yeah, you know, it's always a good problem to have is too many good players at a certain position. But, but speaking of showcasing, you know, if we're thinking Myers is maybe being showcased, I think it's obvious Gerald Henderson is being showcased. And to be honest, he had his best game as a trailblazer against the Pelicans. Uh, every oh. time he shot, I felt like it was going in. He really played within the offense. You know, he had 19 points in 21 minutes. He took 10 shots to get that 19 points. I don't expect him to shoot four or five from three every night, but he's just efficient. He, for the most part, takes good shots. And I think if he continues to play like that, he can fetch us that, that Aaron Aflalo type of first-round pick that we got, um, that we had to surrender last offseason. And the protection is lottery protection, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you said there's nobody buying right now. Are you, you, wait, did you say there were no sellers, no buyers? No sellers. See, I think Portland could be a... Currently. Yeah, it's early. It is December 15th, which is the first day that trades can happen for players who were, were signed or drafted in, in the offseason. But we, if you look at, like, the standings, it's just... It's, I was talking to my coworker the other, the other day at lunch, and it's, the NBA is weird. Outside of Golden State, San Antonio, like, everybody sucks. You know, the Thunder are starting to put it together a little bit, but... The Denver Nuggets at 11 and 14 are the eighth seed, and we're almost to 2016. That's a bit ridiculous. The Rockets look like they're in disarray. Dwight Howard wants out, supposedly. Memphis, they won a game last night to possibly save their coach's job. There are rumors that, you know, Dave Yoger. Did you see what they did with the lineups? Yeah, they took out. uh, Zebo. Didn't they take out Jeff or Courtney Lee? uh, No. Zebo's a a six man now. That's right. They, I, knew, I knew they made some switches. Well, yeah. Courtney Lee, Jeff Green, Mike Conley. Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol. Wow. How did I forget that one? You know, which I think is just utterly ludicrous that you're going to fire this coach who you hired in place of Lionel Hollins, who I believe got them to the Western Conference Finals. They're, they're on that whole advanced metrics thing. And I think advanced stats is very important, but you also have to use... Some of the old school ways of looking at things. Or how about just an eye test? They have failed time and time again to add an impact player who could stretch the defense from the perimeter. And they just continue to, you know, I I love the way they play. I love inside out. But but you have to go out too. Rockets did that so beautifully with Akeem, two title runs. It was Akeem and four shooters. You know, I'm not saying Marcus Gasol is Akeem, but Marcus Gasol is still a top three center. You dump it into him, you make the defenses commit, and you surround him with some shooters. Mario Chalmers and Courtney Lee and Tony Allen and Jeff Green ain't scaring nobody from deep. It's a lot of meh. And that's how I feel about the NBA teams this year. It's a whole lot of meh. I mean, it feels like there's two teams and everybody else is just like sleepwalking. I don't know. I Honestly, it's one of the weirdest years. And I don't think it's because every team is is even. I think we're seeing a lot of impact from so much turnover in the offseason. It feels like there was a lot of turnover in the offseason. You look at the Bulls. They switched head coaches. I mean, 
they're struggling. Derek Rose is still battling back from injury. Joking. I mean, in- injuries and turnover, I think, are really doing a number on things right now. Uh, hopefully the basketball starts picking up because right now it hasn't been the best. But, you know, going back to the Blazers, they, they tandle business against the Pelicans, but they had one of the, I don't know if it was the worst, but it was one of the worst losses I can remember against the Knicks at home where they had them on the ropes and you almost don't know what happened. It just... And Porzingis had a bad game. Speaking of defense, Vonley shut him down. But you got to admit that that New York front line was pretty nice, too. I like their defense. You know, Rolo made his return, and uh, I thought Robin Lopez looked great. You know, 14 points, 5 of 7 shooting, 7 rebounds. Where have we seen that before? You know, we saw that for the past two years. That's what he can do. Lance Um, Thomas started over Porzingis in the clutch, and we lost. Yeah, it was... It was just a weird game. I mean, that's... It's I felt happen. like... Yeah, and I felt like we I went small in stretches. And if I'm looking at the quarters, the Blazers won the first and third quarters, but really got hammered in the second and fourth. And I feel like that happens when Stoss decides to go small. I personally have not been a fan of the small lineup at all this year. I don't think it works. I think we have too many good bigs to lead them on the bench. Exactly. Um, I do like seeing Al Farouk at the four sometimes, though. With depending on matchup, yeah, I think he's just to me he's just more suited for a three. Like I don't think he's as good of a shooter to be a stretch four. Like he's to be a solid three with his defense. But you know, I'd rather have Ed Davis in there gobbling up rebounds or Mace on that pick and roll. Um, but what if they put Carmelo at the four? I'd rather have Al Farouk. So I think it is matchup then dependent. Then you can just have Al Farouk guard Carmelo and have Ed Davis or somebody guard. You know, one of their Lance Thomas, something like that. You you can make the matchups work. I think in today's NBA, we're getting we're getting further and further away from a positionless league. Like if you can play, you're going to be on the court. I think more and more players are just going to have to adapt. And that sucks for but, the Omer Oshiks and the Jaleel Okafor and the Al Jefferson type of guys. Yeah, I mean those those are going to be dinosaurs pretty soon. But I thought a stat that was pretty uh, telling of the Blazer season right now. And this was after the Knicks game, so obviously went up by one. But the Blazers are one and eight in games def- decided by five points. So, so now they're two and eight. Two into it. Yeah. They're two and eight because they they beat the Pelicans by four. But that game really wasn't within five points. I think Evans had a, a, a bucket at the very end of the game. So technically it counts, but still, you know, the Blazers have had so many you know snake bitten games. You know, it's tough to point the finger. I don't think there's anybody to blame. I think it's just youth and inexperience. And I think a lot of it has to do with just plain old bad luck. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the Corey Brewer shot, which goes in maybe one time out of 20. Yeah. You have Zach Randolph being at the right place at the right time with under a second to go just to put it back up and in. I mean, you have, God, what else happened? That was, feels like there's been, you know, at least four games this year where we just had it. And I, I think one game happened on the road trip. We had that game against Milwaukee. Up by four. The other team doesn't have any timeouts. O.J. Mayo it, happened, bro. <laughs> I don't think it was O.J. Mayo. I think it was, you know, it was Lillard. It was Lillard and McCollum. Lillard, after the game, sat down with Stotts, and he said, I should not have came for the ball. I should have went away from it. So my man would have had to make a decision so that they could have either passed it to Dame or CJ could have gotten out of that trap. But this team under Terry Stotts, as good as they've been at out-of-bounds plays, they have a real tough time 
inbounding it with the game on the line. So I've been seeing this play a lot more, and it's Mason has it, and then it's two dribble handoffs, and then it ends up in Lillard and McCollum's hands. Do you like that type of sweep play? And I know that there's a Blazers Edge article talking about it. I just didn't read it, but I, it was already in my list of stuff I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I guess I don't love it. I don't hate it. I prefer the type of movement where you've got multiple things happening at once, but it's not at the same area of the floor. So let's say you're working a pick and roll with Lillard in, in Plumlee, but then you've got Ed Davis setting a screen, you know, drunk side for, for Alan Crabb to pop open. So, you know, Lillard has multiple options off the pick and roll. I like that type of movement more. The, the movement you're describing is more of just movement for movement's sake, if that makes sense. Oh, I trust me. I've seen this play so many times with Monty Williams. It takes up so much time, and it doesn't get you anywhere close to the basket. It's a bunch of weaving in and out in the perimeter, and it takes like eight seconds, and it does, it's not an effective strategy. I don't know what the Blazers Edge article said, but I am not a fan of it. The only time it's effective is when it ends up in Damian's hands, and he just blitzes the basket, because you waste seven, eight seconds passing it around. And that's the thing, 24 seconds is not a lifetime. I mean, oh. it goes by quick, especially if you're slow bringing that ball up the court, and if they take away your initial read, then you're really you know, hurting to beat the clock. So, you know, I completely agree with you. You know, we're doing these these predictions. I believe we, we both ended up at... We're tied. Uh, we're tied. We're tied this week. I got the Pelicans game right. However, you were super correct on that Suns game on Friday. The Blazers really took it to them in the fourth quarter, 106 to 96. I thought they had big blowout potential. One player who killed Portland in those first two games, Brandon Knight, was just a complete non-factor. He was actually a beneficiary for the Trailblazers. You know, he, he scored one point, 0 of 12 from the field, 0 of 8 from 3. I mean, I don't care that he dished out 10 dimes when you only score one point. I mean, it completely neg- I mean, Bledsoe at 31, but he took 26 shots. So they really did a great job of figuring out the signs. And I guess they said, you know, you beat us with the jump shot in Portland. We don't think you can do it again. And that's exactly what happened. We were under the screens again. And, you know, those two guys, they aren't the best of shooters. Especially when you've got... Exactly. He's a very street shooter. But CJ McCollum, man, he has just had himself... I feel like he's just been on fire these last few games, especially in that game against the Suns. 26 points on 10 of 15 shooting. You know, 5 of 8 from deep. That is so efficient. Four assists, three steals, completely filling up the stat line. Throwing throw in Dame, who's going to give you, you know, 18 and 7 and 5. Those two... That was my X factor was that backcourt. They completely won that matchup. It did help that Tyson Chandler didn't play as well as Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris is, has not been a good player this year. So, I think no, but I think John Lures played. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, Port- Portland took advantage of those two bigs being out. They killed them on the backboard. 51 to 40. They took care of the basketball, which was huge. They only turned it over 12 times. That was the bugaboo in the first two meetings this year, and, you know, it was a tie game at 89 with 6.24 left in the game, but Portland ended on a 17-7 to run, which had a 13-0 spurt in it. You know, Chief had a big hand in it. He had a double-double, 13 points, 13 rebounds. It was just a team effort, and I was really shocked because we play like crap in the Valley of the Sun. I believe that was like only our third win in, what, five or maybe a decade. I just remember it's just some crazy stat that we just do not play well there. 
but we got a big win, so, you know, props to you, my friend, for calling that one. And the post-play. I feel, I'm fine with the win, but I was proud of my post-play call. Um, shout out to the radio announcer for the the Suns, who hit us up on Twitter. Espo, I believe his name is, so shout out to oh, him. He's, he's our digital reporter, but yeah. he does their social yeah, so shout out to him. He's cool. Yeah, he, he's a good dude. I met him when I used to work for the Blazers. He came in for a tour. He knows his stuff. He's as, he's about as diehard of a Suns fan as, as I am a Blazer fan, so I definitely have that respect for him. Yo, this is off topic completely, but I like your hair. Thanks. Yeah, I, I got, you know, I got lined up. Uh, it's got fluffy. Little, got, got a little haircut a week ago, you know, just in time for the holiday season. Um, but I got to keep the beard, though. Got, got, face has got to stay warm on the walk to work. Uh, just to kind of... Go back to basketball. You know, I, I do love hair compliments. But to just to go back to the, 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 two, the two other games we didn't touch on this week, we both said, you know, the Cavs would probably get that win. What was funny about that game is, obviously, it started at 4 o'clock. I'm still at work, um, kind of following it. and It was a busy day for me. But I was following it on my, you know, on my laptop. And I see, you know, holy crap, we're up 51 to 33 in the second quarter. It's like, is this, is this real life? Like, are we really taking it to the Cavs? After, you know, I came home just in time, and I was obviously following the game. So I saw the score get lower and lower, and then the Cavs finally take the lead, and, you know, there's five minutes left when I get home, and, you know, they pulled away, but I rewatched the game, and you could tell that, I don't want to take anything away from the Blazers, because you have to give them credit for showing up, but that was the case of the Cavaliers not taking Portland seriously in that first half. They turned up the defense, four or five notches coming out, and it was just too much for, for, for the short. Not They weren't shorthanded, but they're shorthanded on, on talent um, compared to the Cavs. It just was too much for them to handle. So, you know, an admirable effort. They only lost by five, 105 to 100. You know, Dame was just a superstar, 33 points, uh, you know, six rebounds, six assists. He got 24 from CJ, 14 from, from AC, who's just been, you know, torching it still. So the guys played well, but... Oh, it's the curse of the Sheehawk that he played poorly against the Pelicans. Yeah, but, you know, what I noticed about the Cavs is they hedged harder than any team that I can remember on the pick-and-roll. They were not taking the role man seriously at all. They were just... Their goal was to make life difficult for our ball handlers, and... That really got us out of our offensive rhythm in the second half. You know, Delavadova, for whether you think he's dirty or not, is one hell of a defender, probably gives more effort than 99% of the players in the league, and I think he gets more out of his abilities than any player in the league. Just really turned it on. And when he's when he's shooting set of 12 and giving you that defense to go along with whatever LeBron gives you, he gave you know LeBron Phillips the stat line. He had 33 and 10, three blocks as well. So when he can get that, you know, they were without Kyrie. But that didn't matter. And um, Kevin Love was in Yeah, Schumper. Kevin Love was not a factor at all. But when you can have LeBron and you get that from Del, they're going to be a tough team to beat. Did you see that article about uh, LeBron saying James Jones is his favorite player to play with? I mean, it doesn't surprise me that dude's been at, you know, to, to finally wrap up this week in the Blazers. They did lose that heartbreaker just to. Um, to kick off the week. It didn't kick off the road trip. They did beat Minnesota, but that following game, they lost 90-88. to 88. I really thought the Blazers needed to go 4-1 and one probably. I know they went, uh, they ended up going 2-3, and three, 
They, I thought they had to go 4-1 and one over that stretch of five games. It was just too winnable. They let that game against Milwaukee slip away. You know, like, like I said, it was just that that luck. O.J. Mayo shoots 27% from three. He hit two big threes late. They get that jump ball. They run a, actually a great play for Greg Monroe. Um, it just, it was a, whether you want the ping pong balls or not, that game hurt because I was watching that all the way through and, you know, we shot one of 15 just to start from for, in the first half. And usually as a Blazer fan, I'm used to those games lately. Um, lately in terms of, you know, seasons, like we shoot a lot of threes, So there are going to be nights where you, you're just cold. And usually those teams didn't find a way to score off. They would just continue to shoot threes, continue to miss. That would be the game. That's all she wrote. But they found a way, and I believe they had a 10-0 run in the fourth to erase a Milwaukee six-point lead. They they were just in complete control, and it's just one of those where it's there's, what, over 100 possessions maybe in a game of basketball? Mm-hmm. It was just that one where all it took was that inbounds pass. We made our free throws. We did everything right. You can do everything right, but you can mess up one time, and that can be the deciding factor. So, you know, those are things that the Blazers really need to start correcting. Like I said, you can root for losses, root for wins, but for the the future of this team, like there's a lot of players that are going to come back. They need to start finding ways to win these games late, Sage. So, I agree with everything you said, but what... There's a lot of young talent on the Bucks team. And, you know, people like to talk about trades. Is there any realistic trade that you would like to make for, for the with the Bucks? Realistic, no, because they're not trading Giannis. Well, okay, you just have to take Giannis out of the picture. I mean, I, I would really say no. Chris Middleton's been a big disappointment for me. I mean, they just got crushed tonight by the Lakers, one thirteen to ninety five. They're ten and sixteen. Um, I think they're the second, they're the third worst team in the East. Yep. For a team that signed Greg Monroe, got Jabari Parker back. The traded curse. for Michael, traded for Michael Carter, Carter Williams. I mean, that team I thought would be if you would have said the Bucks are either going to be fourth in the East or the the third worst team in the East, I would have probably thought the the odds were better that they would be. The, the the fourth in the East fighting from court advantage. That's how much I liked them last year. Their playoff run against the Bulls, that was a great matchup. I, I, I'm really at a loss for words. I don't know if it's Jason Kidd. I mean, he did a good job last year. It's Moose, but man. what? It's the lack, it's the, it's going from Zaza Pachulia, who's a good defender and very yes, irritating. He's, he's doing great things for Dallas. I think he's the reason that they are. Yeah, your boy said that last week, actually. I mean, going from Zaza to Greg Monroe is a huge drop-off, and when they were a defensive team last year, they depended on Giannis and Chris Middleton. I mean, now that the defense is gone, and Jabari's back, so you have to rework continuity, I would have said they'd be worse in the East if you gave me that. And I would still take offers. I would listen to what they want for Chris Middleton, because he is obviously in the doghouse with Jason Kidd. Yeah, that is. He does have a big contract, but you you say you would listen to offers for Chris Middleton. Yep. What if I countered and said I think Alan Crabb is just as good? I would say you're wrong on that one. So he's he's only shooting thirty nine percent from the field mm-hmm. this season. He is shooting forty five from three, so he's really just a straight three point shooter. 
But for a guy, I mean, let me let's look up this just just real quick. <laughs> you know, we always say we're gonna breeze through the uh, games, and we're, it's already well, been we're an not a- just games though. We're talking hypotheticals here. Like yeah. we're not just going back and looking at X and O's. But when so we middle- say we're gonna make it quick, it's this, our quick is the same time as a TV show that's an hour long. Except our show's better than that. Yeah, exactly. So Middleton, who's making. Fourteen point seven million this year, and he'll make a, a, approximately that much all the way through twenty twenty. Which it sounds a lot now, but it won't be. But but it's still a long contract. Yeah. Alan Crabb, however, is making nine hundred and fifty k. Yeah, I still think Middleton's a superior player. I mean, this I'm not year, saying okay, correct. I did say better. I think Middleton probably is a better, more consistent player. But if you, you said factor, production from Alan when you Crabb. factor in production, mm-hmm. you factor in age, who who I think Crab has maybe got a year or two on him, and you factor in value. I think Crab is getting a little more bang for, I mean, getting a lot more bang for their buck. So that's the only reason I would probably be hesitant towards, you know, even talking about Chris Middleton because I feel like the Blazers are liking what they're seeing from, from Allen this year. I mean, he's shooting almost 50% from the field, which is great. You know, I can't believe he's averaging 10 points per game. I would have never guessed that going back to last year. I think he's only getting better. He does need to be a little more consistent. Like you said, with the Sheehawk, he was definitely not <laughs> on, on last night. He was, Oh, he was awful. I had him in daily fantasy. It was absolutely two, two of nine from the field. He made up with the with the defense, though. The defense and five assists and five rebounds. That was a knock on him early in the season. Was he was only going to give you scoring? He's starting to find ways to help out. And like like you said, the defense was phenomenal. I really like that portion of his game. I mean, so you take Giannis off the table. You're a Middleton guy. I'm not. I mean. Unless they're having a huge fire sale. What about getting, Michael Carter-Williams? Everybody seems to love like him. A, unless you're getting a Cyber Monday deal on a guy like Jabari Parker, I wouldn't take anybody on that team. What about Michael Carter-Williams, buddy? Nope. 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 Can't shoot. <laughs> Besides that, why wouldn't you want him? Because he's looking for max money next year? I mean, yeah, I'd throw that in there too, but I mean, I stop at can't shoot. Once I see can't shoot, I move on. In today's NBA, you have to be able to shoot the basketball. Because there's players like Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard, who can shoot. I've seen them shoot from half court and have touch on the shot. And then you look at players like Alfred Payton, Michael Carter-Williams. Rajon Rondo. Rajon Rondo. They can't shoot. And it's so crazy to see what you can do when you develop your shot and then see guys that haven't. It's kind of irritating to watch when you watch so many games. I mean, Rajon Rondo's playing very well. But the shooting, I mean, they sag off him a lot. You know, Rondo may be playing well on the court, but he's taking a crap ton of L's off the court right now. Incredibly sad to hear. I, I, I equate that word, that slur, to any racial slur that's out there. I think it's a word that needs to be completely removed from everyone's vocabulary, and I'm glad he got suspended. I wish he would have got suspended more. Uh, Mark Cuban came out, and he said, like, it's... He basically said, quote, word for word, but everybody in the NBA knew Bill, Bill Kennedy was, was a gay man, which is fine. That's his prerogative. You know, I applaud him for coming out, especially in light of this 
this suspension from Rondo. So you have to know if the owner knows it, the players probably know it. So for, for Rondo to do that knowingly, I, I just don't have, I have a hard time showing, you know, any, a lot of mercy for him. So I think the one game suspension doesn't do it justice. He needs to pay more of, of a punishment for that. And then to top it all off, you know, you've got DeMarcus Cousins sending out a tweet right after that that says, you know, hashtag NBA vote for Rajon Rondo. You know, I don't know if it was a scheduled tweet or not. I highly doubt it was. But that's not a time where you stick up for a teammate. Like, you just keep your mouth shut because your teammate was in the wrong. And honestly, it really soured my my out, outlook on DeMarcus Cousins and ever wanting him to be a trailblazer if he's going to, you know, take that stance. Yeah. I'd still take that. No, no, it's it's... There's, so, there's, there's, there's smoking weed, like I, whatever you want to do, I don't care, you know, in your yellow Hummer, but if you're going to be that type of person, like don't be an, don't be a jerk, like, you know, be accepting. That's why I love the team that we have. Um, so what you do in your free time with, with the weed, I, I could care less. I loved Rasheed Wallace. I knew that dude probably blazed up more times than anybody could ever remember, but you know, you just don't do that stuff. Like Rondo, you don't say that. Cousins, you don't back him up. You know, you would have thought if that would have happened, Cousins, he was like, "Oh, I'm sorry, that was a scheduled tweet," and everyone would have been probably like, "Yeah, you're right." You know, it probably was because we see a lot of poorly scheduled tweets that go out. Uh, I believe it was uh, MSN Sports or NBC Sports is what it was. It was like Celtics beat Warriors XXX to XXX in yeah. double overtime ends their streak, and everyone's like, uh, "Scheduled tweet," and of course it was. They deleted it. Um, I'll wait to reserve judgment on Cousins, whether or not that's really what he was saying. But for the time being, that it kind of was a little uh, disappointing to hear. Let's just leave it at that. Well, Darren Collison in Rondo's for his replacement played a fantastic game today. Didn't they get the dub over the Houston Rockets? Yeah, they did. I mean, the Rockets are still a talented team. Like you got to kick, you got to get them where they're down. I think the Rockets will rebound but you know looking at a team like houston built to win now you i mean like we mentioned on this podcast it is december 15th today trades can start happening for for those players who signed in the offseason houston to me looks like they, they got it they got they have a huge leak and they're going to try to fix it with with bubble gum so i think they're a team you can definitely take advantage of right now and what darren collison got 14 points seven rebounds 13 assists and uh daryl morey is the type of dude that if he makes a trade, he wants to really win the trade. And I think the moves that he is going to make because he wants to win it, it's going to be like, instead of fixing it, he's just kicking the can down the road to mediocrity. He's not fixing it. He's just going to he's gonna try and win. So it could be a trade like I heard rumors of Omer Oshik and Ryan Anderson for Dwight Howard. That's not going to win you anything because... Ryan Anderson's going to hurt the defense. Omar Oshik's going to get upset once he's the, they realize that he doesn't fit the system. So I, I think they could be sellers, but it's not going to be a good move. I think it's going to yeah. be kicking the can down to mediocrity. And if you're a Pelican fan, my friend, you do not want anything with Dwight Howard. I, I mean, would, honestly, Leo no, Mare's playing. Don't, I, no, don't say I, it, don't I, say it. I wouldn't be that opposed to it. It sounds good now, but look at all of the teams he has wrecked. He wrecked oh, Orlando. Yeah. He wrecked the Lakers. He's wrecking Houston. Those coaches aren't the problem. It is Dwight. I mean, now he wants out. It's like, I, I don't know what this guy wants. He has 
all the talent in the world. Obviously, he's got injuries right now, but you know, it's it one time bad situation, two times okay, we'll let it slide. This is the third time that he's had a run in with the coach or the players or his teammates. It starts to become a trend, and if I don't, I wouldn't want Anthony Davis anywhere near Dwight Howard if I was fair a enough. Fan. Fair enough. So you said you had a bunch of trade rumors, not yeah, message board trade rumors. You wanted to throw. Oh my no, way. no no no! Not only message board trade rumors. I've saw websites publish these trades. Okay, well let's let's see what you got. Well, the first one, I, I think it's, I, I think it's a poorly kept secret that I love Ryan Anderson. Very poorly kept secret. <laughs> he, he makes me happy. Seeing threes go in makes me happy. And there's a lot of people that want Ryan Anderson in on the on the Blazers. I'm going to let you answer the question because a trade that centered around Ryan Anderson to the Blazers. Well, you said centered around. That means who are we giving up? A lot of people are saying Myers. I mean... My first reaction is meh, and it's oh. not, that's, that's not a knock on Ryan Anderson. If you asked me last year, you could trade Myers Leonard for Ryan Anderson. At the beginning of the season, I did. Okay. Myers got, Myers got better in the playoffs. The problem I have with that is Ryan Anderson is not the player for the Trailblazers in terms of career arc. Hmm. I think he would have helped a veteran team come off the bench and be a dynamic sixth man. Flameflower. Yeah, unfortunately, he's 27 years old. I think that's a little out of Dame's range. And while we get on Myers, he's still a puppy. He's 23. So there, four years in NBA is a huge difference. And I said this on the message boards, that while Ryan Anderson is a superior player now, and likely could be, where the Blazers are at and the state of their franchise I would rather roll the dice and see if Myers ends up being better. There's, a, there's probably a greater than 50% chance that doesn't come true, but when you're a young team like Portland who's looking to build through the draft, possibly free agency, and looking to find another star to put next to Damian Lillard, it could be Myers. We don't know, but I can get with Ryan Anderson, and I think Ryan Anderson probably gets us only a few extra wins, and it doesn't impact it's not a huge impact on the short term, and I think it hurts us in the long run. So that's why I would say no to a guy like Ryan Anderson. What about the positives? The shooting? Of Rhino? Yeah. Is it the shooting? I think he needs a lot of plays run for him, though. Yeah. But I think if he went to Portland, he would be a fan favorite. His personality, his personality favorite. would be, he, he would be a fan favorite. So that's a positive. He's also a free agent. So he, there's been rumors that NBA GMs want to give him a max contract. No. You don't give max contracts I mean, to a in, third option. Yep. In today's NBA, I am staying away from guys with, with expiring deals because they are going to get paid. Unless it's a superstar, you know, trade for a guy who's got a few more years left on it, and you're just going to have to kind of fans get really attached to certain players but that's got to be what it, I mean. That's just the way it has to be because there are stupid GMs out there with a lot of money that their owners give them to play with, and they make poor decisions. We see it every summer, and 
you know, as good a player as I think Ryan Anderson is, I, I still wouldn't, even in the next CBA or the next salary cap boom, I wouldn't give him more than $11 million a year. Which would be a $4 million per year bounce in his pay salary, so I think he might do it. But what I've been seeing is the, the people are saying that his salary is a bad contract. And that's so false. He's getting no, it's a good deal. $7 million for a guy who's contributing that much is a good deal. But he's going to want a more lucrative contract after. So, And you know, all Blazer fans have to do is look at Wesley Matthews. The dude is a specialist. He gives us all on defense, and he's a spot-up shooter from three. Coming off of a torn Achilles, the worst injury in all basketball, he gets maxed out. If he can get maxed out, Myers Leonard can get maxed out. Ryan Anderson can get maxed out. So Ryan's, that's a scary thing to think about. And I'm never going to say he's injury prone because he's not. Because I saw those injuries and they were freak. But he did have vertebrae in his neck fused together. And he did have a torn ACL. So that he is not injury prone, but he, freakish injuries that have happened to him. To his credit, though, he is... Playing better than I... He, he has an old man game, though. He does not rely on his athleticism, so he's going to be around for a while. And if he did become a Blazer, everything that he does now, you would love for Myers Leonard to do currently. So, Oh, correct. But I just don't think it's the right time no, or the right But if we were competing, we could talk. Yes, competing, yes. Right now, no. DeMar DeRozan. You know, I've heard that in, I think early on in our podcast, I talked about names. And... You know, Wesley Matthews became a name from his play last year. Rudy Gay was a name because of his hype at Connecticut and his lottery status. I think DeMar DeRozan is a name. He was a, a top recruit at USC. He was taken in the lottery. I believe he's done a dunk competition, so he's got three. just that. He's done three dunk competitions. Yes. He's, Four, he's got actually. That, he he's played. got that reputation. Mm-hmm. I don't know if his game exceeds his reputation. I can tell I, you I don't. Doesn't, I just. I'm not a fan of that move. I think it's. It's not for one. It's not a Neil Olshay move. Olshay is all about the under the radar, finding the diamonds in the rough, or drafting players. I don't. I don't like that fit in Portland. Have you watched any Toronto games this year? Uh, just highlights. They're never on national television. All right. Well, I've seen a lot of Demar Derozan. His offense is primarily out of a. He does a curl to the. 18 foot, and then we'll do a few jab straps and then take a really bad shot. That is what his offense is. He's very athletic, but what he does is play in the dumb zone, which is a mid-range jumper. So all he does is dumb zone shots. Blazer fans have seen enough of that from LaMarcus Aldridge, so no more no more long twos, please. Yes. So pass. Yep. Brooke Lopez. Hell no. The feet... The, the bigs, bigs with feet issues are the absolute biggest red flag in the entire history of sports. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Not even close. With his injuries history, I wouldn't do it. That is and one of know, the dudes that I do think is injury prone. He does give us, or the Nets, I should say, a great low post present. He's, one of the, he's got some of the best touch and moves around the hoop for a big... But for everything he does right on offense, I just feel like he's such a slow prodding center. And today's day and age in the NBA, that that type of player is just not as useful. I'm not saying they're a, they're completely worthless. There's definitely value to that. But 
the value they have is not what it once was. You can get him in pick and roll situations. He's never he's always been the worst defender of the Lopez twins. You can you know you can just exploit him on defense and you know, I think he would make the Trailblazers better, but is really five extra wins this year for what you have to give up worth it? Plus you're gambling on, on his on his feet. I I don't I just don't see it. There's one more trade that people have been saying they want the Philadelphia 76ers post players. Would you want to try Joel Embiid at all? Does that interest you at all? You know, I'll take the same stance as I did with Jabari Parker. If the Sixers are having that that Cyber Monday sale and they're like, hey, everything must go today only and you can give up pennies. I mean, you can literally give up nothing. Yeah, I'll take a chance on Joel Embiid just because... He did show a lot of promise at Kansas. Um, I I do think he is another Greg Oden situation. So I think probably I hate to be negative for the for the guy because I wanted to see him succeed. But there's probably a 75 percent chance. My gut says that he doesn't play or play often, or he has to play in China like like Oden. Um, I really think there's a very minimal chance he he reaches not even his potential, but is able to play. However, that potential still exists, so if you can get him for very, very cheap, go ahead and do it. I unfortunately have watched, I'm going to say, five or six 76ers games. Don't you wish you had that time back in your life, though? There is a player that I would love to see in a Blazers uniform, though. Jeremy Grant impresses me so much. I would love to see what he could do in Portland. Well, is it because he just gets a lot of time and usage in Philadelphia? Because no, it's the effort that I see when he plays. It makes it impresses me. Um, he's he'd be like a again for this roster, it wouldn't work. But he's a three four switch. But the, he hustles like Harkless and shoots better than Harkless. So honestly, I'd love to see him in the future on the Blazers, but not right now because of who we have on the roster. But I would keep an eye out for him in the future. Because he definitely impresses me with his effort and athleticism. So I think we're done with the trade talks. That's all, I mean, that's all I've seen in the trade universe. Is there any you've seen? Ah. I've seen Mark Keith Morris. What, but the one no. thing I did mention today is I believe uh, it was a pretty reputable source. What they said, the Heat, the Bulls... And the Rockets have all contacted the Kings about DeMarcus Cousins. Do you think this in-season activity is going to be like the off-season where it takes a guy like Cousins getting moved to start the dominoes? Like one big trade and everyone starts reacting? Or do you think there's just going to be one out of the blue and one out of the blue here and just going to be kind of like sporadic? Because I've seen both types of trading Mm -hmm. seasons inside the NBA. Oh, yeah, we both have. I think it's going to be a slow trade deadline, honestly. What do you feel? I don't even know it's boring to say, but I think it'll be boring. You know, with so many teams being so close to feeling like contending, I feel like we could see some moves. Mm. Um, I don't know if we're going to see those big players moved in season. I've, I've never been a big fan of moving your best player in season. I think you always get the best value off in, in the off season, especially when you can know what draft pick you have or you could get in return. Um, the draft usually is the bigger trade day, in my opinion. So I think it could be a slower one. 
But again, all it takes is one team to go out there and find the guy, and you scratch your head and you say, "What? He was on the market, really?" Quincy Pondexter uh, last year. For he me, it, for me, it was that that Iverson and Phillips trade in oh eight oh nine. That happened, and I was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, and that, that flipped the West upside down because it made Denver a conference finalist, and then the Pistons completely, you know, they dismantled that 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 second bad boys, you know, era. When they after they won that title, so that's that. That's enough it's trade really, talk. I, to for be the honest, day. this season is so hard to predict. We've both looked at the standings and just kind of just shook our heads in just disbelief. We didn't know what was happening, and that's kind of how it's been trying to predict every single Blazers game. But we do do our best, yeah. and upcoming, the Trailblazers have. They kick off their longest road trip of the year. It's a five-gamer, and I'm looking at the schedule. I believe it's a five-game trip and seven nights. Starts in the Western Conference, three in the East, and it ends up back in the West. It's actually, I believe, their toughest road trip of the year. Uh, It's Wednesday at Oklahoma City at 5 p.m. Then you got Friday at Orlando, 7 p.m., Sunday at Miami, a 10 a.m. start. Oh, that sucks. So mark that down. Their first back-to-back of the road. There's only one back-to-back on the road trip, which is nice, but it's in Atlanta on Monday at 5, and then finish it up Wednesday before the holidays on the 23rd in New Orleans against your Pelicans at 5 p.m. And why I say this is the most difficult one is because it's all against teams, the Trailblazers, in, in recent years, have not played well against outside of the Pelicans. And then their first game back is the day after Christmas against LeBron's Cavs. So that is a very difficult stretch for, for this team. Um, for the sake of this podcast, for the sake of, of time um, and our current you know formula that we do, we usually just do Monday through Monday game, or Tuesday through Monday games. So we'll only be talking about the first four. You know, up first is the Thunder. And earlier we were saying you know, how the West is terrible. It's really just the Spurs and and Golden State, but you know OKC. You know, watch out for them. They were my pick to win it all, Mine and I hope it doesn't come true because I don't like the Thunder. But they're starting to they're starting to get things together. Um, they've won five straight. They they've been off since Sunday, so they are going to get a very they're going to be a very rested team getting the Blazers, who just played on Monday night, flying all the way you know, to, to the, the middle part of, of America. And this is the first of four season matchups with the teams. It, it, it's going to be tough. It, it's, I, it really is. They're 11-3 and three at home. And ever since Durant came back, it's like they've clicked. And they average 108 points a game. That's second. I think that that's, the Blazers cannot win a shootout against this team. But I will say, I've seen one weakness with this team, and it's the shooting guard position. So if C.J. McCollum could take advantage of uh, Robertson and Morrow, I think I think that's the one advantage the Blazers have. And I love Amo, but he is not as good as C.J. And you know, I just said the Blazers can't win a shootout. However, they probably are going to have to at least... They're not going to be able to, to ugly it up like the Grizzlies in the win, because... The Thunder have been really winning with defense lately. They're five and one in December. They're allowing just ninety-three point seven points per game. 
opponents are only shooting 36% against uh, OKC. They've held their last six opponents under 100, and they're 10-2 and two when they do so. So, statistically speaking, Portland is going to have to get 100, but they're not going to be able to win like a 114-112 game. It's going to have to probably be like the 101-99. to 99. Um, I know that sounds kind of you know, trivial and what's 14-point difference, but there's a lot that goes into scoring 114 versus scoring 101. There's a lot of pace. There's picking your spots to run. There's picking your spots when to push off of a made basket, and there's picking your spots when you just want to slow it down and run your offense. And I think this is going to be a game, if Portland is to escape, that our guards are going to have to do that. Um, we have tendencies to do those one-on-four fast breaks. You know, Aminu is you know guilty as anybody at that. Mm, yeah. um, we have a tendency to make sloppy passes. This is going to be a game where Portland really probably should slow it up in those situations and take care of the ball because if we get Russell or KD like free on the break, it's, it lights out. I'm going to be very interested to see the West, Russell Westbrook, uh, Damian Lillard matchup. I think that's going to be a very exciting matchup to watch. Um, when I watch basketball, I really try not to ball watch when I'm watching, but when Russell has the ball, I can't help but ball watch and see what he can do, because he is playing absolutely fantastic this year. And you know, speaking of Russ, that, that's my X factor for the game, and the biggest question is, will he involve Kevin Durant? Mm-hmm. I think if you know Durant averages 18 shots per game, um, and he's you know shooting 53% and 44 from three, so he's taking a lot, but he's being incredibly you know efficient scoring the basketball. If the Blazers can get Russell to just do too much, and I know this sounds, you know, very risky, but it's almost you want to hope Westbrook maybe hits his first couple so that he stops looking for his teammates and he just goes full on one on five because that's the key with this team. They're they're on paper they're much more talented. They're going to win the game probably, especially in OKC, probably nine times out of ten. But there is that one time, like we saw last year when we had that incredible comeback. It was Russell Westbrook that imploded. He made stupid fouls. He took stupid shots, and Lillard got the best of him. Um, he even had that crazy technical, which really started it off. But this year, he's done a good job of managing shots. He only attempts 19 field goals so far per game this year, um, compared to 22 he took last year, and he's shooting at a much better clip, 46.6% this year. Look at the and assists. It was, and it was 42.6 last year. Um, the assists were were pretty even, but what I think will be key is keeping Durant and Westbrook off of the free throw line because they both combine to shoot 15 free throws a game. And it's almost like you're playing James Harden where they're going to get superstar calls. They're very aggressive, especially Russell. I mean, they even invented the Kevin Durant rule because of Durant always doing that rip through. If the Blazers had trouble defending Kevin Martin in that first matchup against Minnesota, it's, it's like that with Durant except times 10. They're a very similar type of offensive player. Um, when they get the ball in their hands, they look to draw that foul. So Portland, you just have to hope they miss outside shots. Force them to take the outside shots. Don't commit early fouls. We've seen how this team does when one of their key players gets an early foul trouble, and it's not pretty. So if they can keep them off the free throw line, that'll be, you know, that'll be very instrumental if they are to pull out a victory. But it's going to be tough. As a team, the Thunder are fifth in the NBA in free throw attempts. They attempt about 25 a night. So you know, the Blazers have got their work, work cut out for them, but they're not a stranger to OKC. I think that's one of the teams that they really don't like. There's no love lost there. And if Lillard 
and McCollum can get hot. We've seen them score, you know, combined 62 against Utah early in the season. Uh, we've seen CJ opening night put up, what, that 20-plus point quarter. This, this could be a game where that they steal. However, just the way that the trends have been going, Portland on the road, OKC at home, their defense, they're starting to get Russell and KD going. I look for the Thunder to probably probably take this game. What say you, Sage? Oh, the Thunder are going to win. That, that, that's your that's your expert analysis. Well, honestly, you explained a lot. And all right, how about this? Don't don't leave Anthony Morrow uncovered because you you talked about the stars. So I'll I'll talk about Anthony Morrow. He's a great and spot up shooter. To be honest, I did not want to talk about Russell or KD being the X factor. I really spent a lot of time looking at this lineup, but nobody else has really stood out. It's been those two carrying this team. Uh, Cantor doesn't play a whole lot, um, even though he's efficient. You know, Steven Adams is Steven Adams, but like you said, they're weak at the, the two guard. This team is just Russell and KD. They go as those two go. So that, that's kind of where I was thinking there. Do you think uh, there'll be buyers in the trade deadline? You know, I think that's actually a home for a guy like Gerald Henderson. They're so weak at the I think he would be a great two yeah, for them. Yeah, I, I was thinking the same thing. And they're, they're a team that they figure they're going to finish top five in the NBA. That, that draft pick's nothing to them. So I think we could... So be on the lookout. If Gerald Henderson plays a lot in this game, it could be because he's just getting better. Mm. It could be because he's you know shooting the ball with more confidence and he's you know giving the Blazers more offense. But it could be because Olshay knows maybe he's already had preliminary conversations and he really wants to showcase you know Hendo. So that'll be very interesting to watch. Um, but moving on to Orlando... You know, the Blazers actually have, their last win was in 2011. Lillard actually has never won in Orlando. And both of the Orlando games in in the Magic City have been very, I don't know what's the word, not historic, but very influential mm-hmm. in determining the outcome of the Blazers season. I believe in 2013, or excuse me, in that 13-14 season with, with the Trailblazers when they had that, uh, that that playoff win over the Rockets, it really started after that loss. They lost 104-110 to to a terrible Magic team at that time. And I think that's when LaMarcus was injured. He came back the following night, but Wesley Matthews stood up in that locker room and said, you know, we cannot stand for this. Unfortunately, Portland lost last year 95-85. And it was another another really turning point, but the Blazers weren't able to rally past that one. So for whatever reason, the Blazers have trouble getting up for the Magic. I don't think they're going to have this problem. Portland feels like they're a hungrier, scrappier bunch this time around. And to be to be quite honest, the Magic are a better team, too. They're, they're 13-11. They're actually 8th in the East. Mm-hmm. They've won 7 of their last 10. They, they're similar to Portland, and they, they, they go 10 deep. But what's very interesting is I've noticed they've started bringing Victor Oladipo off the bench and starting Shannon Fry. Against Brooklyn, they, they beat the Nets 105-82. And, and I, I mean, I bet you that that Shannon Fry in a first-round pick is so available right now. You think Orlando would give up a first-round pick? Yeah, and Shannon Fry for something nice. Well, that's going to be real nice because that still could probably be Lotto. I'm a fan of watching that team. Alfred playing the offense, but I like the team. Who's your X Factor in that? <laughs> Perfect transition. It's Alfred Payton. Just because when you look but when you look at, at this team, 
when they win, he scores 13 points, 44% from the field, five rebounds, seven assists. In the losses, it dips down to 10 points. His percentage dips to 35.5. So that's an an 8% drop. Um, The rebounds stay the same at about four, and the assists are almost exactly the same. Um, But it's really when he can score the ball. And what I I most remember about that game in Orlando last year was Peyton's triple-double. He had 22 points, 10 of 13 shooting, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and four steals. He He was the reason they won that game. And if he can have a similar shooting night, um, we already know he plays fantastic defense. He's a good rebounder for, for his position, and he already hands out quite a few assists for such a young point guard. But once he gets that, that, that shot, if he's hitting that, that mid-range shot, it's going to be tough for the Blazers to guard him. He and Emmanuel Moutier are like the same player right now. They I do agree. everything that you would possibly want in a point guard except shooting. My X Factor for the game is Tobias Harris. Yeah, you've been on oh, Tobias. Wow. Uh, to- Tobias is my dude. I-, I love the way he plays basketball. There's not, there's no glaring weakness in his game, and I'm a huge fan of that. So he plays the three four. When when the the best lineup for him is the Peyton Oladipo Fournier Tobias Vuce type of lineup. I I think that we have to put a lot of effort in stopping the post players and. Tobias Harris in particular. Because I have faith that we can slow Vuce down, but I don't see us slowing Evan Fournier and uh, Tobias down. Our bigs are going to have to do a great job on Vucevic because mm-hmm. it seems like every time we play him, that dude's like chasing 20 rebounds a night. He's, um, he's really good, man. He's good, and I've noticed that's a weakness on some of our bigs, Ed and, and Mace and Myers and even Noah, is they're quick and lanky, but those powerful dudes... Mm-hmm. Um, they really get into him. I think the Knicks had, had one guy, and I just I can't think of his name right now. But he Kyle Oakwin. Yes, thank you. He yeah. had he had a big back, and I was telling I was telling Olga like they are good rebounders, but when you have a guy with so much mass like that, they're just not built to to withstand that. So he just went right through them. Vucevic is this. He's a, he's a he's a truck. He's a load down there. But he's so, also athletic. He's deceptively he's, he's athletic. Player. Oh, he's deceptively athletic. So I think yeah. Stopping the post uh, players, I, I think, is a big thing. I think this is the winnable game of the four games that we're going to predict. So I'm going to win against Orlando, but it will be tough. And you got to stop Tobias Harris. Yeah, I mean, if Portland is to win, it unlike OKC, this has to be a shootout. Orlando, when they lose games, they give up 107 points per game. Uh, so Portland's going to have to put points up on the board. That means guys like Lillard, Aminu, CJ, you know, AC, they're going to be firing from all cylinders from three. This, I don't think this is a game they win if they start off slow again, get down by double digits, and have another one for 15 shooting in the, in the first half from three. They're going to really have to bring it from distance. I do agree that it's probably the most winnable. However, we just have not played well in Orlando lately. Orlando is playing well. I've got the magic winning. I think it's going to be a close one, but I think Portland's just not going to be on from three like they, like they need to be. All right, what's the next game? Miami, and I think this, this is the one to watch only because of the 10 a.m. start. It's going to be a 10 a.m. Pacific time start. Uh, the Heat, I mean, it, nothing really to write home about 14-9, which is good enough for six in the East. However, they are seven. They're, they're, they're defensively, they're great. They're 7-1 and one against the West. 
And like you said, defensively, they only give up 93.9 points per game. That's second best in the NBA. Whiteside is a monster, bro. However, they're not going to score a lot. They only score 95.6, which is third worst. But speaking of Whiteside, he averages league league. leading four blocks per game. And I really think when I, when I saw that, I was like, wow, this is going to be like when we play the Jazz when they have Gobert. We are going to have to shoot from the outside to win this game. I think the Blazers, have, they've shown the ability to beat Gobert's Jazz. They can do that with the Heat. We're just going to have to make Whiteside move on defense, not in the sense of coming over to do a help side block, which he's so fantastic at, but let's get him in a pick and roll. Let's do the McCollum and Mason Plumley alley-oop. Let's get him moving, get him thinking about other things than blocking the basketball. I will say he's different than Gobert because I think he's more sturdy. Like, he's a very strong athlete. I think we should get him running to stop him from protecting that hoop, which he does so well. But it's different from Gobert because of his, his muscle mass and his... He's a big dude. You're completely right. I was just saying it was more of the sense of you're probably not going to be able to live in the paint or rely oh, yeah. on dribble drives. Oh, totally. Because that's his house in there, and he's going to be protecting it. Goran Dragic is playing really poorly. He is, but you know what? He's, he's my X-Factor. Man, yo, I'm just giving nice transitions to your X-Factors, huh, bro? I like that Tyler Johnson dude, too, the backup yeah, guard. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're just serving him up for me. Yeah. But Drogic, yes, he's playing poorly. I think Dwayne Wade had a quote that told him to shoot the effing basketball. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not going to blow your socks off 15 points and 7 assists. Is that what but, he's getting? Yeah. Wow, I thought that... Because I've watched... I've watched a lot of Heat games, which I guess is... He shoots it too. I feel like the, uh, the drink... Like, if you're playing a drinking game, it's you saying kudos and me saying I've watched them a lot. I think obviously is now up there for, for my drinking game. <laughs> yeah, um, so I've watched them a lot. Go, I didn't think he put up that type of numbers. I, I thought Tyler Johnson was more effective. And now that they yeah. got the Blazer Killer extraordinaire, Bain Udra... Oh, God, I forgot about it. They have Drogic and Udra. That, that, I mean, because Drogic always kills us. He always gives us fits. He just, and they have the, like, the monopoly on Euro point guards. They have the monopoly on left-handed Euro guards who like to slice and dice our defense. If we play pick-and-roll defense and allowing them to shoot the mid-range shot, it's going to be a long night. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not even factoring in Luol Deng, Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade. Justice uh, Winslow's playing some minutes, too. Justice, that, I mean, this is a, a pretty good Heat team. With a, I like them because they have a mix of, of youth and veteran leadership. Hassan Whiteside's only getting 900000 a year, bro. Oh, he's going to get paid. He's, yeah, he's getting paid in full like Eric B. and Rock Count, I mean, this bro. Could, this could be a guy the Blazers go after. So if you're a Blazer fan and you're hoping for a big splash in free agency, watch this game closely, see what Whiteside does. The Blazer fan in me would love to see a Whiteside Gobert Blazers Jazz matchup. Just oh God, four I, years. That would be incredible. I'm gonna shout out my one of my best friends, Jordan, who is a diehard Heat fan, but he works swing shifts, so he doesn't get to watch the Heat. And since I'm a nerd and I do, I think Whiteside is he needs he's kind of raw on offense, but if you run pick and roll, he'll flare really fast to the basket for alley oops, and defensively, he's fantastic. So I would love to see him on the Blazers next year. Actually, in 2K, he helped me win a championship. It's free and she's a long ways away, but I always like to, to watch players when you get a chance to, to watch them against your team and just kind of see what they could possibly bring. And I mean, it, it's a possibility. You throw enough money at a guy, he, he might come. I mean, Damian Lillard is no joke. 
I mean, Dwayne Wade's great. Like Bosch Eric is great. <laughs> Sorry, but but both but both are you know getting up there in age, and Dame's still you know not even in his prime yet. So a lot of the guys gravitate to Lillard. Uh, but what what's your p- prediction on this game, Sage? Ooh, I think my X factor is Dwayne Wade because he's been so consistent this year. So if he stays consistent, I don't think we'll win. But who's your X factor? It didn't come through. D Wade. Oh yeah, he had a big game for them last year against us in Miami. That really cemented that win. He was vintage Wade, so he still has those abilities to, to turn it on. He fades way too often on his jump shots, and he does a lot of jump passes to Hassan Whiteside. So that those are some ways we can key against him, but he's still a good defender. He's still athletic as hell, so I think he's the X factor, and if he's too like much of a star player, I think Gerald Green can light us up too, man. They got some scores. And Gerald Green's another blazer killer who just comes off when he was with the Suns, just Oh, I'm just going to come off the bench and just bust threes. Oh, I, I think the Heat will win. Yeah, I think if this was not a 10 a.m. local start, I would probably say my gut feels a Blazers victory. Uh, but that 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 start is rough. I mean, I've seen them. It used to be the Raptors. We got that start with the Raptors. And even when we were good with B-Roy and then with uh, LaMarcus and Dame, we've rarely won those early starts. They're just, they're very difficult, even though your mind says it's a 1, even a 1 a.m. or 1 p.m. start is weird. I think that's going to be tough, and there's really, it's tough to see what the crowd's going to be like in Miami, because, you know, we love the Blazers, but it's not the biggest draw nationally. It's going to be an early start for the fans. Are, are the fans going to be, be fired up? So Portland might have to create their own energy. Uh, they're in the midst of, of a road trip. If they had lost the previous two games, I would love to see you win. I, I just I just don't. Yep. All right, what's the last one? So the last game we will talk about, and the second to last game on the road trip, is a game against the Atlanta. surprisingly terrible Atlanta Hawks. Who are, they're 14-12. and 12. Um, They've lost three straight. I mean, I, c- I can't believe they're, they would be out of the playoff race in the East. They're 10th if the playoffs started today. I mean, they, this is a team that won 60 games last year. Mm-hmm. I know they lost Damari Carroll, but I, you can't tell me that he was that important to the team. And they replaced him with a guy, Kent Bazemore, yep. who has been killing it, man. Surprisingly off the bench, because Tabo starts, but he has been killing it. He is so athletic, he hits threes consistently, and he's a good, no, great defender. Especially, he uses his athleticism to block shots and steal the ball. He is so athletic and so scary. So, obviously, that's my X factor. But, they they shouldn't be this bad. I think it's Al Horford and Paul Millsap being so outside-oriented, because I when Paul Millsap and Al Horford are in the post, they're tough to stop, man. But Al Horford just drifts in the perimeter, sets a screen, fl- flares to the outside, and he's not shooting a very good percentage. I think it's like 20% throughout the year, but he stays out in the perimeter, and I think that is why they're doing so poorly. And I think there's a little bit of a bad blood between Jeff Teague and Dennis Schroeder, because Dennis Schroeder yeah. said that he wanted to be a starter. He didn't care if it was here or somewhere else. 
So I think that's a big issue between. You know, I think I think that's one of the issues that you mentioned, and I've heard that from from Schroeder. You could not have that type of a play in your locker room. It has to really be like a all for one, one for all like mentality. You have to. We're into a tribe called Quest. Yeah, you you, <laughs> you know, love some tribe, but you have to put your ego aside. It's it's a team game, and I think that's what made them so special last year was the team game, but. I don't think they're sneaking up on anybody this year. I think they snuck up on some people. And to be honest, of all the games that I saw last year, that Hawks game when they came into Portland in late December, they put it on us. It was an amazing clinic. It looked like Spurs South, mm-hmm. uh, Southeast. Um, it was probably... I believe it was their 18th was, game in top, a row. I would say it was probably a top three performance against Portland last year. They absolutely put it on us. Mm-hmm. It was... They shared the ball fantastically. We had no answer. Every play was perfectly, you know, drawn up and executed. And I was like, I was stunned. I was like, this team is for real. And they followed it up with a 60-win season. However, in the the NBA, there are only 10 players on the court. Star power does win out. And 82 games is a marathon. You factor in the playoffs, that's even further. You have to have a super to lean on. They just don't have that. You know, they did get off to a nice 7-1 start, but they lost 11 of the last 18. They're definitely slumping. I think what's interesting is both teams heading into this game will be on the second night of a back-to-back. Atlanta is definitely a crowd that gets more hyped for the opposing team than their own team. Uh, Bad it's fans. Be- it's going to be a very low-energy arena. I mean, they're only 8-6 and six at home, which tells the story right there. So I think the team that wins the hustle board will win the game. Hustle board rebounds, steals, and blocks. The team that's, that, that's going to want it more. There's going to be no energy in the arena. Both teams are going to be on the second half of a back-to-back. Uh, that's, that's what you're going to have to do to beat this Hawks team. I think, I think, honestly, the Blazers are just as talented as this Atlanta team. I got, yo, one for all, all for one is a brand Nubian reference, not a Tribal Quest reference. Had to correct that because I felt really guilty. I will not correct my love for Tribe. Uh, Low in Theory and Midnight Marauders is Fantastic. two of my favorite albums of all time. One second. It was a quick break to show that I have a framed record. So, oh, the Low in Theory, excuse me. So you said your X Factor was Kent Bazemore? Yep. And I didn't realize this until I went back and looked at my notes, but every single X Factor I picked was a point guard. So mine is Jeff Teague. Uh, oh, not Schroeder. His numbers have declined every month this season. When the Hawks win... He is getting 17.5 points per game. When they lose, he gets 13.6. Most of the numbers are are pretty similar across the board. Uh, His three-point percentage goes down 11% in losses, but it's really those points. I think if they can limit Teague from getting into the paint and finding shooters like like Bazemore, like Kyle Korver, or or slashers um, to the hoop, you know, Millsap and, and Horford always like to hang around. So if they can just take away Teague, I think he is—he's kind of like the the engineer of that of that of that train. And if you can slow him down, I think that's really going to derail—no pun intended—derail the Hawks' offense because they do not have players on that team that can create their own offense. Everything is predicated off of somebody else setting it up for them. I think when I've watched them, I think Teague is more the conductor. But Schroeder is just straight out chaos because he is so quick. We we watched the hoop summit together, and I was yes. like, 
Yes, we did. Schroeder looks like a better Darren Collison. And honestly, he's playing like a better Darren Collison. Like, he is so quick and so explosive. He's got to fix the attitude. And the hair. He scares me. I think he could have a huge game against the Blazers. So, what's your what's your pick on that one? Loss. Yeah. I, I hate to go loss. And I really, like, I don't, like, look at here and be like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for the Blazers to get you know, on this road trip and lose all these games. No, you'll you know, win one in the road trip. Don't front. I mean, yeah, if I'm picking 0-4, I mean, it's not going to be 0-4. I've never been correct. Oh, no, no, no. The road trip, you're going to win a game. It's going to be... Maybe. It's going to be your uh, early Christmas present. That's for another time, another podcast. But, you know, I think we've wrapped that up pretty well. I have 0-4, you have 1-3, so not terribly positive outlooks, you know, on, on this road trip. Like we mentioned, it's one of the toughest of the year. Um, they happen for all teams, but I don't see any blowouts. I think they're all going to be close games. And to be honest, the Blazers could go four zero. They could go two and two. It's probably going to come down to a couple of plays here and there, as we've seen all season long. One thing to watch out was if they get a big lead, like they did in Cleveland, can they sustain it? It's easy to play hard, or not hard, but it's easy to keep a defense on their heels for twenty four minutes. But to do it for forty eight is so difficult. That's what I've got for that. We did have one fan question. Uh, it was from uh, Team Mom on Twitter. Wanted to know, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Has your wins-loss prediction changed at all? And so to refresh, what was your prediction preseason, Sage? 35? And yours was 37? Yep. Uh-huh. I felt confident in my prediction. Uh, my, uh, honestly, I might feel a little more confident if it was like at 33 but i made it 35 i'm sticking with that one i feel good about it i mean i feel i feel incredibly confident in mine you know we we talked about the blazers being just two and eight in games decided by five points or less that's 10 games if let's just even it out and go you know five and five that puts portland at, at 14 and 11 right now 14 and 11 is fifth place in the west i mean even at 11 and 15 they're a half game out of, out of the playoffs it's just such a weird year where Blazers are not getting blown out. Every game feels like it's going down to that fourth quarter, and just a handful of plays are determining the outcome of the game. Uh, I see Portland, yeah, I think that 35-37. I, I feel even stronger about that prediction after what I've seen through uh, 26 games. So even if they lose these four games, I'm still not going to be you know, deterred on on any prediction like that just because... Um, the schedule lightens up. Mm-hmm. We haven't played the in, trash in, back games. Yeah, in January, February, there's a, a huge uh, two, four, six, seven game homestand. And the schedule, you know, gets gets easier. So you may lose some now, but I think you'll pick them up later on in the season. So I, I definitely still like where I'm, where I'm sitting at. And we haven't played the Sixers, the Nets. There's a lot of garbage teams. We have, however, feasted on the Lakers quite a bit. And Pelicans twice yeah but we haven't seen the warriors we haven't seen the warriors we have uh we did see the spurs twice you know we have seen you know our affair we have not seen the thunder until until this this road trip so i would say the blazers schedule so far has been average i think there's some easy games coming up there's some tough stretches um as it should be i don't think uh it needs to be super hard or super easy any stretch i like the that it's evened out but uh it's 11 o'clock on a tuesday sage I think it's been a great podcast. Yeah. So, 
you know, do you have anything else to add? Nah, you can find us at the normal places. Shout out, yo, I, I keep track of the SoundCloud. Shout out to the people of Southern Oregon, really repping the Holy Backboard podcast. So much more tough than the people in Portland. So much more tough. Yeah, we got we got to get those Rose City listeners. Uh, it was this many. I'm not even going to tell y'all how many, but it was this many. People on Medford, Ashland, Central Point are carrying the listenership of this podcast. So let's get the Portland listeners. Let's get the Salem. Let's get the Eugene listeners listening. Don't forget our Virginia listeners. We got some out there as well. Shout out to the Virginia listeners. We got, honestly, we've got more out of the country listeners than we do Eugene listeners. You know, shout out to those fans. Rip City is worldwide. And yeah. you mentioned yeah. you mentioned you could find us on the usual suspects. Usual, usual suspects being Stitcher and SoundCloud at Holy Backboard PDX. If you have... Anything you'd like to send us, questions, feedback, music, tips, you know, trivia questions for Sage, hit us up at Gmail. We're at holybackwardpdx at gmail.com. If you want to find us on game days or wherever we, you know, send our, our thoughts in non-podcast form, we're tweeting all the time on Twitter. You know, catch us at Holy Backboard. But, uh, Sage, it has been a blast. I can't wait to get this, this week going, um, even though we – predicted you know both losing road trips i still get excited to watch every game and just to continue to see the player development progress right before my eyes one of my friends who listens to the show said he's never heard someone on podcast drop a hip-hop reference and then say the word fantastic the next sentence so i feel like i'm doing something right i i couldn't agree more i think that is a perfect send-off so thank you to everyone for listening We will be back at you for a holiday Christmas edition podcast next week. Good night, Rip City. Let's go.